Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, we've reached a point now where it's time for the tale of the tape. As we commemorate the passing of one of the boxing legends, Muhammad Ali, the rumble in the jungle, the thriller in Manila, we've got two political heavyweights climbing into their ring. And as you, as an observer, as you look at these two uh, political fighters, what are their strengths and their weaknesses as of early June? Well, I like the, the the timely and topical introduction. That's very a very good hook. Worked on um, that for hours. I like it. I like it. Uh, look, look. I mean, to, to a certain extent, the the, the strengths uh, of each came into to clearer view this week, um, and and the weaknesses as well. I mean, the strengths of Hillary Clinton. If you look at uh, who she is and who she has supporting her now, it is everybody on the Democratic side. The Bernie Sanders. Uh, movement such as it was still exists. Uh, he sort of hinted this week that he was going to eventually get behind her. Uh, there was some um, parsing of language about how he had said that he wasn't necessarily going to go to the convention, but his ideas and his case was going to go to the convention. You had Barack Obama endorse Hillary Clinton. You had Joe Biden endorse Hillary Clinton. Uh, 66-minute meeting between Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren on Friday uh, ahead of her coming endorsement. So you will have, I think, soon a unified Democratic Party uh, to take on Donald Trump and the Republicans. That's a strength. I think her fundraising uh, is a strength. Her organization is a strength. Um, you, you look at uh, the case that she's making right now that will appeal to Democrats. She's, in effect, arguing for a third Obama term. And while that gives some of us nightmares uh, for Democrats, uh, that's exactly what they want to hear. A, a third Obama right term with a little bit of Bernie. Okay, so let's let's talk about those things. Are you one of the people who believes that we're going to see a bump in Hillary's numbers, similar to the bump we saw for Trump's numbers, now that she truly is the kind of no longer contested presumptive nominee? And do you think that that rollout this week, the way the White House and the Clinton team carefully orchestrated the endorsement from the president that had been pre-recorded, the announcement from uh, from Warren to send a message to the base, that that's the kind of uh, f- organizational strength, you know, the structural campaign strength that any Democrat would have, and Hillary Clinton's going to benefit from that in the next few days? I think so, yeah. And, and, you know, President Obama made clear that he wants to be out on the campaign trail campaigning for her, helping her. Um, I don't know about an immediate significant bump. I imagine she might get a couple points. There was a a Fox News poll out uh, Thursday evening that showed her up three points where she'd been behind three points in the same poll uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Maybe that's some indication of of a small bump. You know, I think the harder work for her is going to be convincing um, the, the most enthusiastic Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, young uh, liberals, to get aboard her campaign. Uh, not only to say that they'll vote for her, but also to to work for her and and uh, you know organize for her. Uh, I think that might take a little more time. So maybe you don't see a huge immediate bump, but I would expect that she'll get get something. Uh, so those are her strengths. What are her weaknesses as of uh, early June 2016? Well, 
her candidacy, uh, her campaign style, her ideas. <laughs> uh, what else? The FBI probe, uh, the fact that she's been uh, dishonest from the very beginning about uh, her emails. Um, I think still the Benghazi uh, committee's report, which will be out, uh, we are told, before the conventions. Uh, these are, I think, potentially significant obstacles, each one. And uh, I think we saw, to a certain extent, we saw a little bit of of each of those uh, this week. Um, you know, you look at the speech that she gave, the victory speech, and it's much celebrated by the media. Um, there's this sort of iconic picture of her of putting her arms out, showing real relief that she finally won the Democratic nomination that had eluded her eight years ago. And then she gives this speech that is just full of nothingness. Like, there's just nothing really to it. It's just pablum, um, cliche after cliche after cliche. Uh, you had this minor episode that I think could develop into something that, that tells us more about her. This report that she was wearing a $12,000 Armani jacket as she gave a speech about income inequality. It's the kind of thing that you know Washington reporters scoff at. There, there's some pushback that even mentioning it, even raising it is somehow sexist. But, you know, to to when I talked to my mom uh, in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, this week, she mentioned it. Uh, her friends are talking about it. It's something that matters, I think, to people outside of the Beltway. Come on, Steve uh, Hayes. And then th- this email probe. This email probe. You know, I, I mentioned it last week when you and I talked uh, on this podcast. But I-, I can't recommend highly enough for people to go and read Shannon Coffin's story about the email probe. It is the one definitive story on the email probe that I've read thus far and, and makes very clear a number of the problems with her explanations of the emails, in particular her explanation that she did this only out of convenience. Uh, Shannon Coffin points to two separate instances in which the State Department Inspector General makes clear that it caused her inconvenience to have a private server. It added to her burden to have this private server. And they went out of their way to do it anyway so that she could avoid exposing her emails to FOIA and otherwise making them accessible to people. Uh, So what she said at that first March 2015 press conference was categorically untrue and demonstrated by her own emails and those of her aides. You know, one of the emails uh, dealt with, at least one, dealt with uh, drone strikes inside Pakistan. Now, come on, Steve. How is she supposed to know that a military strike inside another country's border is like a secret or something? I mean, she, she can't follow every memo that you get in these topics. And as far as her coat, I just want to remind you that Hillary Clinton is the candidate of everyday Americans, and everyday Americans wear $12,000 coats to give speeches all the time. So now let's move over to Hillary Clinton's number one strength that you kind of skated by. She's running against Donald Trump. What kind kind of week yeah. did Donald Trump have? And here's what I want to ask you. Where would you put the lingering impact of the judge conversation uh, on the campaign? Is it just one of the many kerfuffles that would have killed another candidate, but will just be absorbed into the great Trump Borg, you know, <laughs> mind thing? Or is, is it having a lingering lasting effect? For example, as late as today, Trump is still calling the judge from Indiana, quote, the Mexican, close quote. Yeah. No, it's I mean, it's, uh, it, could, it could be uh, the, the, the former, uh, you know, one of these things that that 
just, you know, one of the many things, one of the many controversies that would have derailed the other candidates, but don't really have any significant effect on Trump. Um, but I think the cumulative effect of those is a negative one and, and will be reflected, uh, you know, in polling and potentially at, at the ballot box in November. Um it, you know, one of the many things we've seen come out of this, I think, is the Republican Party um, really prostituting itself on behalf of Donald Trump. Um, and I know that's uh, strong language, but I think it's appropriate in this instance. This morning you had Sean Spicer, the spokesman for the RNC and the chief strategist, a good guy, I think a smart guy, go on television and say Trump had uh, made clear that he wasn't talking about the judge's heritage. I mean, literally, you had a half a dozen times where Trump, out of the blue, invoked the judge's heritage. He talked about it. When he was asked about it by reporters, he confirmed that he was talking about the judge's heritage. It was plainly a bigoted statement. And for you know somebody like Sean Spicer to pretend that it wasn't, uh, it just beggars the imagination. And I, you worry that Jonathan Last has this, this saying, he's been writing about it regularly for the, the magazine, that Trumpism corrupts. And, you know, you, you get people who are supporting Trump either because they're enthusiastic about him or because they feel like they have to, who begin to act like Trump. And I worry that we're seeing more and more of that, where, you know, Spicer says something that is so manifestly, demonstrably untrue. And, as Trump has for the past year, many, many times, gone away with it. You know that he, he thinks he's going to get away with it. And yet, the, you know, Trump keeps fighting. And I know that there are a lot of Republicans who've been frustrated by what they think of as either uh, non-existent fighting that Republicans just lay back and take it from the Obama the past seven years, or ineffective fighting. They might as well not fight if they're going to be this bad at it. And he's still battling away, and it's inspiring a part of the Republican base. Did we see this week that no matter what is coming in, Donald Trump can still swing a tough right hook and land a punch, or can he be thrown off of his game? Well, I mean, look, I don't think it was really this week. I mean, I have a, uh, an editorial in the magazine that we just posted uh, in which I make the argument that it's not, as so many people have said, that Donald Trump had a bad week. I mean, this is what Mitch McConnell said. He said, well, you know, this last week was was a bad week for Donald Trump. It's not Donald Trump's bad week. It's Donald Trump that is the problem. And he'll have many more of these bad weeks because it's who he is. Fundamentally, he's not going to change. Republican leaders keep calling for Trump to change and act more responsible. That's, he's not going to do that. Donald Trump is who he is. He does have strengths, however. And I think uh, you know you saw some of his strengths in the argument that he used in this teleprompter speech on Tuesday night about the Clinton Foundation and its corruption. He's willing to take these arguments, to take these fights uh, directly to Hillary Clinton in a way that so many Republicans have not uh, or haven't been willing to in the past. Now, some, In some cases, I think that will, will be wise. In some cases, I probably disagree with him on on tactics about how to do it. But I, I'm, I'm surprised, for instance, that he hasn't made this $12,000 uh, coat a big deal. Right. Um, you know, not because he's not vulnerable in the same charges as he flies around on his gilded jets, but because it's something little – 
that he could use to make a point about Hillary Clinton. It's a symbol. It gives people something to point to and say, do you believe she did that? And Trump is, you know, for all of my disagreements with Trump on virtually everything, he's very good at doing that. He sort of understands what's going to resonate um, with voters and what they won't like in particular about politicians. And, and I would expect that he'll be able to do that with Hillary Clinton over the next five months. Now, she'll just tell him to delete his account. And that'll be that. <laughs> Stupid. Now, what was? Wait, wait, wait. That was an interesting. It, it captured the media's imagination. Let's conclude with this. It's a small fight. It's kind of a tactical maneuver out on the canvas. But you know, Trump sends out one of his classic, you know, Hillary Clinton sad, you know, kind of comments. You know, he four, you know, four more years of Obama. Nobody else wants that. Which was, which is a good argument at the moment. And she swings back with delete your account. And a lot of people cheered and rallied around Hillary going, yeah, that's how you're supposed to use Twitter. She's as good at this stuff as he is. Yeah, of course, it probably wasn't really Hillary Clinton. It was her staff who, who did this. And, and, you know, knowing how the Clintons operate, they probably had to focus group, call an instant focus group and <laughs> find out if it was smart and if it was going to work and what her approval rating would be if they did it. Look, I mean, it's one of these things. Your first point, the very first thing you said there, I think, is, is very perceptive. It's one of those things that captured the attention of the, of the media. I mean, not that many other people really care. I mean, right. it got a lot of retweets and everything. But it is this thing. I mean, I was listening to, to CNN earlier this morning as I was driving around uh, in my car, and they were talking about this. They right. thought it was so clever of her to say, delete your account. And then Trump came back and said, you shouldn't use the word delete, you know, and <laughs> Reince Priebus tweeted right. that. And you know, it's this exchange. And look, I mean, none of that really matters, ultimately, other than to sort of entertain the media. The media love that kind of fighting and scrumming. I suspect we'll have much bigger uh, and more significant uh, fights in the months to come. Um, but it probably tells us a little something about the, the tone that they're willing to go at each other on Twitter. Uh, and thank you so much for the uh, ringside account. Steve Hayes. Very nice. The tale it of brings the it all back I, together. This guy's a pro. Right it, I'm telling you, Muhammad Ali. And the car, that was, that's what, that was like listening to you. I felt like I was back in time. ABC, boxing, Saturday night. You've been listening to the Weekly that's Standard good. podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.